Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you believe and cherish the Bible and to learn and love Christian history and hymnody. I'm Jared Brummett, audio engineer and editor, introducing your host, Robert J. Morgan. In this episode, we're diving into the next installment of our study in Philippians. Rob delivered this message at World Outreach Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. As always, we'd like to invite you to visit robertjmorgan.com, where you'll find Rob's blog post, podcast feed, bookstore, free resources, and more. If you've not already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Now, here's your host, Robert J. Morgan. Good evening to all of you. Yes, I was baptized as I came into church tonight. It wasn't sprinkling either. It was by immersion. It took me an hour to dry off. But I am so happy to be here. Vance Havner was a North Carolina evangelist. He said, when I was growing up, my dad, when the weather was bad, would quote a little poem about going to church. He said, whether the weather is good or whether the weather is not, whether the weather is cold or whether the weather is hot, Whatever the weather, we'll weather the weather, whether we like it or not. And he said, I grew up realizing that the weather had nothing to do with going to church. We would go anyway. Well, I've been in touch with Pastor Allen today. I love that man. And I'm so honored that he would uh, ask me again to be here and to share with you. Now, I have a weekly podcast It's just a Bible teaching podcast, the Robert J. Morgan podcast, and I'm preaching or teaching through that podcast from the book of Philippians. And some of you subscribe to it. I hope that you'll, it's free, but wherever you get your podcast that you will. I've found that if I can preach wherever I am my next sermon, that we can just pull the audio and put it on the podcast and I don't have to go into the recording studio. So that's what we are doing this evening. It's what I'm doing this evening. And I'm going through the book of Philippians. And so tonight, I want to deal with the middle part of chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians and chapter number 2. The other day, I decided to have some carpet replaced in my house. And... One little section was in the basement at the bottom of the landing, and the person came to me and said, there is water underneath your carpet. There is a leak somewhere. He said, I think it's coming from the air conditioning and the heating unit. So I called the air conditioning and the heating people, and they came out, and the fellow said, it's not coming from us. We think that you're going to need a plumber. So I called a plumber, and he came out. And he said, yes, there's a little leak. It'll take me a few minutes to fix it, and here's how much it will cost. And I fell over when he told me how much it was actually going to be. But that evening, I went to bed with peace of mind because I knew that a little problem was fixed that could have damaged the interior of my house. We have to maintain the interior of our lives. Our hearts demand constant maintenance. On the inside of our lives, we need continual maintenance, and we have the most glorious plumber, 
the most infinite carpenter. We have the carpenter of Nazareth who can come, and he can help us with the interior of our lives, whatever it is that needs to be corrected. God works in us. He works inside of us. He works in our interior where no one can see, maybe in the basement where there is a leak, maybe in some structural area where we need to improve. But we have a God who works in us. And that's the subject of this paragraph that begins in verse 12. It's really only two verses. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. The writer Paul says, Therefore, my friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now, look at these words. It is God who works in you. It is God who works in you. That's a very personal word from the Lord to you. You need someone to work in you. You need someone to come and do some renovation. We all do. It is God who works in us. And I went through the New Testament looking for this phrase about God working in us. There's sort of, you can think of it as cross-references to this verse in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. And I found several other verses I want to show you. First of all, in chapter 1 of the same book, Philippians 1, 6, it says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, God began a good work in you on the moment that you responded to the gospel. Now, Paul was writing here to the Philippian church, and the founding of the church in Philippi is recorded for us in the book of Acts in chapter 16. Paul and Silas, Luke and Timothy went into this great Roman city in northeast Greece, and there they began to share the gospel, and a business lady named Lydia responded. It says, the Lord opened her heart, and she responded to the message. And then there were others, and God began doing a work in that city by doing a work in their individual lives. The Lord is going to do a work in our country, and in our state, and in our cities, as he does the work in our individual lives. He began something with us, and he begins it when we receive his message. I mean, there is something glorious about saying, dear Lord, I am no longer going to be in charge of my own life. I want to have you to take over my life from this point on. I want to give everything to you. I receive Christ as my Savior. That's not just a formula that you say. That is a powerful internal reaction that begins to take place in your life. It really is a chain reaction, but God begins to do a good work in you. And he who has begun to do a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Secondly, he is working inside of you with all of the energy of Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 28. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present 
everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy that Christ so powerfully works in me. The Lord works in you, and it is with tremendous energy. It is with, it's not just a AAA battery. It is a billion kilowatts of energy that surges into your life by the power of Christ, and he surges through you. And when you come to the Lord Jesus, there should be an enthusiasm and a joy that you've never had before, and the enthusiasm and the joy gives you strength, and you begin to recognize, I am not living in my own strength anymore. I am living in the strength of the one who died for me and rose again, and who has conveyed his strength into my life by means of the Holy Spirit. It is the Lord who energetically is working in my life. That's a tremendous thing to begin to realize. And thirdly, God is working in you by his spirit. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the spirit. Now, the word sanctifying is a Bible word. It simply means that the Lord intends for us to become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ in our attitudes, our behavior, our reactions, our perspective, our mentality, our opinions in life. And he does this by means of his Holy Spirit. I talked about this the last time that I was here. The Lord Jesus did the Father's will and the power of the Holy Spirit. And he said, just as the Father sent me, now I am sending you And he sent down his Holy Spirit to live within us so that the life we live is not our life. It is his life which he is now living in us by means of the Holy Spirit who is surging through us with dramatic and dynamic energy. This is the great secret of the Christian life. You don't have to do it on your own. As you are yielded to the Lord and living with him in faith and obedience, he does it through you. And there is this sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit going on in your life. And then fourthly, God is working inside of you by his word. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a word of a human word, but as it actually is the word of God which is indeed at work inside of you. The word of God is indeed inside of you. Now begin putting all of this together. God is working in you. He began working in you when you received Christ as Savior, and the one who began a good work in you is going to complete it. He is working within you with all of the energy of Christ. He is working within you by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he is working in your life through the power of his word, which is not just a human word, but it's a word from heaven, a word from God. And as we read and study our Bibles, it does something to us. The Bible says we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now, about a week ago, I woke up and didn't feel very well. And I was tired and frustrated. I think I was worrying about the leak in my basement. And I thought, I don't even want to get up today. But my devotions that morning, my Bible reading, and my 59-second sermons on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter now, I am 
going through verses about inner peace. And so I was looking up those verses and I came to Psalm seven, uh, 29. And I want to turn over there and show you. This was, I mean, this was all I needed to change my attitude for the day. I began reading Psalm 129 and it is about the voice of the Lord. You know, the Lord conveys his power by his voice. He spoke and said, let there be light. And the power of his spoken word created light throughout the universe. It was with his word that he created all of the stars and the planets and all that there is. It was with his word that he gave the predictions and the prophecies of Old Testament days. It was with his word Lazarus came forth that the dead man rose to life. It's going to be with his shout when he comes again that will be resurrected. The voice of the Lord is very powerful. So Psalm 29 says in verse 3, the voice of the Lord is over the waters, the God of glory thunders. And the translation I was using that day said it echoes. And verse 4, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. Verse 5, the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Verse 8, the voice of the Lord shakes the desert. It goes on and talks about the power that God conveys through his voice when he speaks. And then it ends with verse 11. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. And that Psalm 29 was the voice of the Lord to me. Just as though he was sitting there in my bedroom beside me at my little desk and saying this out loud. The voice of the Lord is so powerful and it worked within my life. There is something about scripture as you read it, you learn it, you memorize it, you study it, you revel in it that does something tremendous in your life. The Lord is working inside of you by his word. And then God is working inside of us as we ask him to. It's very important to say, Lord, I need for you to work within me. I need for the divine carpenter to come and do some renovation inside of me. When I was a pastor, one of my favorite parts of the whole week was when we came to the end of the service and I pronounced the benediction because I had that habit. I'd learned it from another minister back before I even started pastoring. In fact, I just grew up with a pastor who at the end of the service would pronounce the benediction. And sometimes it was the benediction and the book of um, uh, Numbers chapter six, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Sometimes it was the benediction in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 that says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you forever. I just loved being able to pronounce those biblical words upon my people at the end of the service. Well, my favorite one, which I use more than any other, is at the very end of the book of Hebrews. It says, may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in you what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, that's a prayer. We say, oh, Lord, 
Will you please equip me with everything good for doing your will and work in me what is pleasing to you? I've prayed this many, many times for other people. It's my go-to prayer. It's my go-to prayer many times for other people. Lord, will you equip them with everything good for doing your will and work in them, work in me what is pleasing to you. This is a great prayer to learn to pray for ourselves, and the Lord works as we ask him to. And finally, or not finally, but next, the Lord works inside of us for his glory. This is Ephesians 3, chapter 20 and 21. I have a very fond affection for this passage as well because back 43 years ago when I came to my church that I pastored for 43 years, uh, I was a young man. They were having their 25th anniversary as a church, and they told me the first thing we want you to do is to help us plan an anniversary for our 25th, uh, a service for our 25th anniversary, a silver uh, celebration for the establishing of our church will be 25 years old. Well, there were only about 25 people there. Actually, that's not true. There were closer to 100 at that time, but they really wanted to celebrate their heritage. And so, we chose this passage as our theme, and especially the phrase, unto him be glory in the church. And it was such a wonderful beginning, really, in my ministry there, that whenever I read this verse, I think of that occasion. But look at what the whole passage says. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, his power is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and amen. So the Lord is working within us, not just so that we will become superb people, although he wants us to become Christ-like, but so that when others see our life, they will know that the way we are living is nothing that we could have done for ourselves. There is a supernatural touch on our lives. The Holy Spirit is on us. Somebody from above is working within us, and they will give glory to God for what they see going on in our lives, and they will want it for themselves. Unto him be glory in the church. So he is working in us for his glory, and finally, he is working inside of us to give us both the desire and the ability, the desire and the ability to do his will. And this brings us back to second, to Philippians chapter 2, the second chapter of Philippians. It says, it is God who works within you both to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. The older translations say to will and to do. Now, some people want to achieve something, but they don't have the ability. Some people have the ability to achieve something, but they don't have the desire. If we're going to be what the Lord wants us to be, and it says later in this passage, that's going to be lights in the world, like stars in the dark sky, then we have got to both want to and have the ability to do that. And we don't have either one in our own selves. It is God in his grace that gives us the desire 
to follow Christ and to live for him. And it is God and his grace who then gives us the ability to fulfill that for which he has given us the desire. He wants us to both will and to do. We cannot either will or do. And so he does both of them on our behalf as he works within us. Now put all of this together. This is a tremendous teaching in the Bible. God works inside of us. He began a good work on the day that we responded to the gospel. He is working powerfully within us with all of the energy of Christ. He is working through the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit within us. He is working within us by the word of God. He is working within us as we ask him to work what is pleasing to him. He is working within us for his glory and he is working inside of us to enable that we will perpetually and perennially have both the will and the ability to do his good will, to live for him and to be like stars in the black sky so this world will know that there is light in this dark universe. That's the teaching of God's working within us. Now, here's the other side of it. The commandment here in this passage is that we must work out what God is working in. We must work out what God is working in. I mean, that's exactly what it says here. Therefore, dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. Now, this obviously doesn't mean that we work for our salvation. We work out our salvation. We can never work for our salvation because only Christ could do that because he alone was sinless. He was God who became a sinless human being to offer himself as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He rose from the dead. He said, it is finished and all that we need to be saved is only all that he could do for us, nothing we could do for ourselves. And so he did that part. We don't work for our salvation, but it's inside of us now. And so we have got to work out what God is working in us. We've got to put it into practice. We've got to let it show up in our attitudes, in our actions, in our behaviors, in our destinations, in the things we do and the things we don't do, in the places we go and the places we don't go. It has to do with the way that we have our dispositions in life. So we have got to work out what God is working into us. How do we do that? Well, it's very clear here. The passage tells us it is by training ourselves to obey him. Look at this again in verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to obey, continue to work out in your daily attitudes and activities what God is working inside of you. So that means that as you read the Bible and you come to a commandment, then we need to obey it. If there is something the Lord says isn't good, then we don't do it. If there is something the Bible says is good, then we do it and we learn to operate on the basis of obedience. Some years ago, I took in two dogs for my granddaughter while they were being relocated. It was a terrible mistake. 
those dogs just about drove me. If I've ever been close to insanity, it was those two dogs. They had no sense of obedience, no sense of training. You couldn't contain them. They would run off. I'd be running after them up and down the streets and through our community. I'd get in my car and try to chase them down. And then when I did have them corralled, they were so destructive. You just cannot have dogs or children that are disobedient. We need to learn the importance of obedience. The Lord has a hard time with his children who refuse or neglect to obey him. Obedience to the Lord is the supreme obligation of those who walk by faith. We trust and obey, for there's no other way to live happily in Jesus but to trust and obey. And it says we do it with fear and trembling. Now, that's a very unusual phrase. Commentators have tried to figure out what Paul is saying. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But this is a phrase in the Bible that simply means the awe and reverence we should have at the majesty and the high position of God, who, as he has just told us in an earlier portion of this chapter, is exalted above every name that is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and to whom every knee will bow in obedience. The Lord is so high and so exalted, so majestic and so wonderful, that if we were not to have a sense of breathtaking awe before him, then there'd be something wrong with us. And so because we respect and revere his majesty so much, we obey him with healthy fear and trembling. And then we do it without complaining. Let's read it again. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act, to fulfill his good pleasure, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault and a wicked and crooked generation. Now, let me bring it all together for you here because what Paul is saying, what the Lord is saying to us here is very important. The body of the book of Philippians, the main part of the book, the greatest corpus or substance to this book begins in chapter 1, verse 27, and goes to chapter 2, verse 18. And this is what Paul says, whatever happens, whether I'm set free or whether I'm executed, because he is writing this facing a trial for his Christian faith, whatever happens, to me or to you, whatever happens, stand firm in the oneness and the unity of Jesus Christ without being intimidated by those who oppose you. And he says, if there is any grace in your life because of Jesus Christ, if there is any love in your life from God, if there is any fellowship in your life by the Holy Spirit, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, getting along with one another, 
having unity in your homes and your church and your organizations, being of the same mind, being of the same heart. And he says, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in everything consider the other person greater than yourself. And in so doing, you will have the mind of Christ, who though he was in essence God, did not consider all of the privileges of the heavenly throne to be clung to when he needed to do something for us who needed his help. But he made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and came in the likeness of human flesh. And coming in the likeness of human flesh, he became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Wherefore God has also given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess on the earth, under the earth, in the heavens, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And therefore, since Jesus put other people first, since he served others, since he bent over backwards to give us a better day and to meet our needs, we should also work out of our lives what he is working in us. We should do it with fear and trembling. We should do it very diligently. And we should do it with a sense of awe and reverence of his majesty. And we should do it by having a humble attitude without complaining, without grumbling, without murmuring, so that the world around us will see us shining like stars in the universe as we hold out to them the Word of God. That is this passage. And at the very heart of it is God working in us. God is working in you. I've given you some quotes there, but I'm only going to refer to one of them. Warren Wiersbe, he said, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people evaluate their lives by the ups and downs. We have a lot of ups and downs in life. Some of you are up right now. Some of you may be down. We have ups and downs in life. He says the believer evaluates his life not by ups and downs, but by ins and outs. God works in, and we work out. We work out what he works in. And he keeps working in us from the day we're saved until the day he takes us to glory. And as he works in us, we just keep working it out. in everyday victory, in everyday life, in everyday attitudes, in everyday behavior. And we can't do it on our own. It is impossible for us, but God works in us. So don't think about your life in terms of ups and downs. Think of it in terms of ins and outs. And work out the salvation day by day that God is working in you. And may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will and may he work in you what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Well, thanks for digging into the riches of the Bible with me. And I hope that you'll share this podcast with a friend. This episode was produced by Joshua Rowe and the marketing company, Clearly Media. Audio editing is done by Jared Brummett. Print editing and blog posting by Sherry Anderson and Luke Tyler. And music by Jordan Davis and Elijah Rowe. Thank you for listening, everyone. And may God be with you until we meet again.